Hello, everyone, and welcome in to The Backheeled Show. My name is Joe Lowry, and on today's episode, we are diving into the United States women's national team who have entered a new era, sort of, kind of, under Emma Hayes, who's both with the team and not with the team at all times. There's a lot of still logistical weirdness involved with Emma Hayes being the United States new manager and still leading Chelsea over in the WSL. Her influence is certainly limited in her current role. And yet we saw the first game over the weekend of the United States new era under Hayes, where she clearly does have some impact on what's happening with the roster and on the field. And there were some new things. So ahead of tonight's game against China, the second of two friendlies for the United States to close out 2023, we're going to talk through what we learned and what stuff was different in the first game of this little series. So we'll get to some observations from that game against China, a 3-0 win for the United States, ahead of another matchup tonight, and we'll do it all in just 10 minutes or less, because here on the Backfield Show, we believe that just because soccer games are 90 minutes long doesn't mean that soccer podcasts have to be. So let's get to it and talk USWNT. All right, folks, let's get right into the United States. To start off, we need a little bit of a caveat. Like I mentioned in the intro, it's difficult to pinpoint exactly how much influence Hayes has right now. Publicly, she's been very clear that she's committed to Chelsea and that her focus is there, which is the right thing for her to say, given that she doesn't start with the U.S. until later on. But we also do know that she was involved in picking the squad for this December camp. She's involved, clearly, in some things that are going on. The extent of that involvement is still a little bit fuzzy, but I think it's fair to look at this game against China that happened on Saturday and say, okay, what stuff was different? And if there was different stuff, then it's likely that that's stemming from Emma Hayes. So what stuff actually stood out for the United States against China and what stuff maybe could we take away for the future? Well, the first thing is a point of comparison. Under previous manager Vlako Andonovsky, the U.S. was aimless with the ball. They were too rigid at times. There wasn't a whole lot of careful pre-planned rotations. There wasn't a lot of structures. Players didn't seem to know where they should position themselves, and they certainly didn't know where their teammates were going to be. In this game against China, granted China is not the best of opposition, the U.S. controlled the ball for large stretches, and there was more fluidity, and there was more purpose in this game. Players actually seemed to know where to be and where their teammates should be. It was fun to see this team play some actual soccer, and to have some coordinated movements in possession. And even though shapes and formations don't define soccer games, they don't define tactical approaches, for the United States, it was helpful for them to be in a shape that was clear and observable that they could then build within and go and have a foundation to go out there and thrive. So in possession, this is another difference, right? There was an overall difference in how the U.S. played in this game, some of the organization stuff. In possession, we saw something different for the United States, They played out of a 3-4-3 shape. Now, they defended in a 4-4-2, right? So a flat 4-4-2, very straightforward stuff. There was very little new on the defensive side. But what was different is they would change from that 4-4-2 into the 3-4-3 I just mentioned when they had the ball. It was very clear rotations to get them into that shape. Emily Fox defended as a left back. It's a regular role for her. And in possession she would shift inside to become the left-sided center back. She would join Abby Dahlkemper and Naomi Gurma in that back three with Gurma in the middle. And then on the right side, Casey Kruger nominally was the right back in this game. She defended as one. And in the attack, 
It was her up high and wide on the right side with Trinity Rodman as her opposite number on the other side of the field. And it was Rodman and Kruger who were the the outside for the United States moving up and down the wings in possession. Later, it was Mitch Purse in that role on the right side as well. The United States shifted. They moved structure. They had even just a very basic element of fluidity moving from defense to attack and from attack to defense. And, And really, a lot of the player roles made sense. I wrote for Backfield that I think Fox was going to get a look under Emma Hayes at center back and one game into the Emma Hayes era, and she already has, right? That's one prediction that I absolutely nailed coming into this new era. Fox is comfortable getting forward, but she doesn't really thrive. She doesn't thrive getting to the end line and putting a cross in. She's much more of a simple progressive passer, progressive dribbler, and is solid in the counter press and a solid 1v1 defender. That screams center back to me. And Fox played that role in this game, sometimes as an extra layer of fluidity, Fox would move from her left-sided center back spot into midfield, like she does with the North Carolina Courage, shifting into that midfield area. And Lindsey Horan, who played as the left-sided number eight in this game, would shift into, or really as part of a double pivot, really on the left side of the double pivot next to Emily Sonnet. Horan would drop into Fox's role, and those two players would swap. So we had lots of those little rotations, simple patterns, simple movements. This is stuff that's, that's basic, right? We see this in soccer teams all around the world, these very simple rotations, but it helps, number one, put players in good spots. And number two, having an identifiable structure helps the players in that structure actually know what on earth is going on. And again, this sounds like the lowest of low bars, but that is legitimately where the United States has been in possession for quite some time and was certainly the case under Vlatko Andonovsky. So that's a big change, getting some of those basic things off the list, having them actually be out there on the field and giving the players the ability to go out there and thrive within a structure We saw that from the United States, and that is a point of encouragement and certainly should be one going forward. Now, another takeaway from this game, maybe the other biggest takeaway, along with some of the shape stuff, is the striker. It was Sophia Smith starting as the number nine for the United States at the tip of that 3-4-3 shape in possession. She defended as part of the front two in in that 4-4-2 shape that I mentioned earlier on the defensive side. Sophia Smith got to play as a striker, and this is something that we've all sort of been watching and waiting and wondering if it was going to happen or not. Sophia Smith has been the best number nine in the NWSL for multiple years now. She is lights out in that role and yet was consistently pushed out to the wing under Vlatko. And and that's not the worst thing, right? She can tuck inside. She has the 1v1 dribbling skill to be very dangerous in the wide areas or in the half spaces. It's not unreasonable to think that she can be a really good winger and was a really good winger for the United States. But where she's made a big difference, especially in a player pool that has a lot of other good wingers, where she's made a big difference is at the nine spot. And we saw her play the number nine. She gets an early goal on on Saturday over the weekend with Trinity Rodman playing the ball across. Gurma feeds it in behind to Rodman. Rodman plays it across to Sophia Smith. Smith crashes, scores. She had a number of other chances, Sophia Smith, in this game and, and told Melissa Ortiz at halftime that, you know, I need to put more of those away. And the U.S. certainly would prefer for that to be the case. But... Sophia Smith still got in those good goal-scoring spots, which is the most important thing to do as a number nine, because if you get enough of those chances, you're going to put some in the back of the net, right? The chances come, the goals come from the chances, right? You can't have goals without getting into good spots in the first place, at least not on a consistent basis. Sophia Smith gets in good spots. She is a ridiculously good athlete. She sees space well. She's good on the ball. She's not a complete number nine. She struggles at times with her back-to-goal but she's a really valuable player and thrives running into that space and finding space, relocating herself in the box to find the gaps in the opposing back line. And she did exactly that in this game. The fact that Emma Hayes or Twilight Kilgore or whoever it is that's making all these little nitty gritty decisions wanted to give Smith a run out is a good sign for her. And I truly believe it's a good sign for the United States who can then get an extra attacker on the field 
either in the wide areas or in the half spaces. In this game, Rodman got some good looks on the left side. Rose LaVelle and Savannah DeMello playing underneath. On the right side, it was Casey Kruger, as I mentioned. Then it was Mitch Purse. We also saw some young players in this game. And that's where I want to finish out this episode. I've been banging the drum for Jaden Shaw and for Olivia Moultrie for a long time. Shaw seems further along in her development than Moultrie. But both players saw action in this game. Moultrie made her first ever appearance. She's the first player born in 2005 to make an appearance for the United States women's national team. Good for her. Moultrie was clean, didn't have a ton of time to do a bunch of really dangerous things. Shaw, though, was awesome coming off the bench. Comes on for Savannah DeMello at halftime, plays in that right-sided attacking midfield spot. Basically the the front, the right side of that front three for the United States in their 3-4-3 shape. And she's perfect for that role. Shaw's perfect for so many different roles. But slips in behind, has some good shots, good low hard crosses, good free kicks, some great combination play with Mia Fischel in the 65th minute, a good disguise ball to Casey Kruger a few minutes later. Maybe a little trigger happy with some of her shot selection in this game, but Jaden Shaw looks like a game changer. And Emma Hayes, and I guess by extension, Twyla Kilgore, seem willing to go ahead and put these young players into the action to get them reps, not just because they're young and it's a speculative thing to do, and it is a little bit, but because they're legitimate difference makers, and Shaw fit right into that role on the right side of the front three or in that right half space as the right wing back would push forward into the attack. So overall, lots to like from the United States women's national team. We'll get another glimpse of this team, the last one for 2023, in their game tonight against China. Much more to come from the Emma Hayes era, but some nice glimpses to get things started. That's it for this episode of the Backheel Show. If you enjoyed, go check out backheel.com for more USWNT coverage and a bunch of other American soccer stuff too. I'll be in Columbus, Ohio when you hear me next talking about MLS Cup. But for now, we'll be back again later this week.